You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. This is episode 20 of The Mystery of the Church. I want to turn your attention to Revelation chapter 4. And this is a very, very important and significant passage. We're going to find out what it means. It has a lot to do with the church, and I'll, I'll show you why. Um, I trust that you've been blessed by this series, and, and, and this is the kind of series that you might need to go back and listen to a second time and actually go through your emails and mark down the scriptures and keep them. The church is something that the world did not understand. The prophets didn't get it. They didn't know about it. Ephesians 3 tells us very clearly it was hidden in the mind of God. One translation said it was buried deep in God's heart. So it was something that people didn't know. Even the apostles, after the resurrection and the ascension of, uh, or right before the ascension of Jesus, they asked the Lord, "Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel?" They weren't thinking about a church. They were thinking about the glory of Israel. That's what they were thinking about in Acts one. And then Jesus pointed them to Pentecost, which would be the birth of the church, and they started getting it. But it took Apostle Paul being caught up to the third heaven to hear the instruction of the Lord about the church. And he's the one that really introduced all of this to us. And uh, other ones began to add on. But what Paul had to say about the church was, was how we really know fully what it is. It's a very special thing with God. Very special. Revelation 1, or 4, and verse 1, NIV. After this I looked, John said, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had heard first speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. You know, the Bible uses symbolic language. Lots of places it uses symbolic language. It's very Hebrew. Um, Hebrew thought is very concrete. God's word is a rock. Um, you, you hear God compared to all these different things. God asked Jeremiah, what do you see? And he's prophesying. He says, I see the rod of an almond tree. So God used all kinds of symbolism to teach the children of Israel. You would have to have lived in that culture to fully grasp and understand it, but it doesn't mean that we can't get it. And I think sometimes because in our Western minds that we don't understand some of the symbols, the figures of speech, we don't get all of that. We think that it's just too hard to understand, and so we think it doesn't matter. And that's not the case. It does matter. It's very important. Prophetic teaching does matter. One-third of the Bible is prophecy. I marvel at people who throw it away and say it isn't important. I don't know how you can say that. God put great emphasis on it by giving it to us. And the idea that we can't know it, can't understand it, that would be like saying someone coming from another country saying, well, this term, Turkey Day, 
Nobody can understand that. Who knows what that means? Firecrackers? What's that got to do with any holiday? You, you know, uh, it, it's amazing how we have all these little nuances associated with our holidays. And we could mention just one little thing, trick-or-treat or Easter bunny or, or uh, turkey and dressing. We could say things like that, and immediately you know what holiday we're talking about. Well, to a Jew who thoroughly understood the culture and the symbolism and the figures of speech, there were glaring evidences of exactly what God was saying. The proofs were there. So the language in Revelation 4.1, after this I looked, there before me was a door standing open in heaven. The language used in this verse is speaking of the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Ha Shanah. Rosh means head, Ha is the, Shanah is year, head of the year. It is not the head of the religious year that starts in the spring with the month of Nisan. But according to Hebrew tradition, the world was created on the first day of Tishri. That's when God created the earth. And that is called head of the year. The world began in the fall. Now, it didn't have the seasons like we have today. That came after the flood, but it did begin in the fall. God gave Israel seven different festivals, observances, that would come every year in order to teach them about His plan and program. Now, the first one is a weekly observance, and it's the Sabbath. But separated from the Sabbath are these seven different festivals. Listen to what God said in Leviticus 23.1. And by the way, you can read all of this here. Read about these festivals. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, These are my appointed feasts. These appointed feasts of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. In other words, they gathered together. The word is moed in Hebrew, which means rehearsals. So they were dress rehearsals or symbolic actions that, that conveyed a bigger prophetic fulfillment. There were four of these that came in the spring of the year. And uh, this would be the Feast of Passover. It happened on the 14th day of the month of Nisan. And the Passover lamb was killed at 3 o'clock in the afternoon or between the evenings. This is exactly when Jesus died on the cross. He was the Lamb of God. John the Baptist saw him coming to his baptism, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Passover was all about Jesus. He fulfilled it. That's why none of his bones could be broken. Typically, everyone who was crucified would have their legs broken to hasten their death. Jesus didn't have his legs broken. He couldn't have his legs broken because the Scripture said none of his bones should be broken. And the Passover lamb was not to have any broken bones. You didn't break a single bone when you cooked him. Uh, another fascinating thing is that uh, because of the smell of the sheep around Jerusalem, the rabbis issued a ruling that all the Passover lambs had to be kept, or all the, the sheep had to be kept in the wilderness areas, with one exception, the Passover lambs were kept at Bethlehem. That's why the shepherds got 
the visit from the angels about the real Passover lamb. That's why they were pointed to baby Jesus in Bethlehem, because they saw the birth of every Passover lamb. So Jesus fulfilled Passover. He fulfilled the Feast of Unleavened Bread, in meaning that through His passion, He took away sin. Leaven or yeast is a picture of sin. It was taken out of the bread during this time. And so this whole process, this seven-day process of Jesus being crucified and so forth, it was during the time of unleavened bread, the 15th day of Nisan to the 21st, and it's symbolic of the sin being removed. The Sunday morning after the Sabbath, after the Passover, was the Feast of first fruits. This is Christ rising from the dead. He is the first fruits of all who slept. He's the first person to bodily rise from the dead, never to die again. Now, there were people in the Old Testament who died. They were resurrected, but they died again when their lives were finished. Jesus never died again. He received a glorified body. First person to have that happen. He fulfilled first fruits on that Sunday. He was raised from the dead out of the garden tomb. Then 50 days later, we have the Feast of Shavuot, or Pentecost. And I'm sure I butchered that name. Uh, Pentecost, not Pentecost, but Shavuot, the, the Hebrew, uh, Shavuot. Uh, but anyway, it comes uh, sometimes in May, sometimes in June, but it's 50 days after the Feast of first fruits, And this is when the Holy Spirit was poured out. You know, it's interesting. God did not pour out the Holy Spirit just because the church had gathered and they were in unity. God poured out the Holy Spirit because it was the day He had appointed to pour out the Holy Spirit. It was done on Pentecost, which, by the way, is the same day that God gave the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel from the top of the mountain. He spoke, and uh, all the people of the world could hear God giving those commandments. That's according to the Hebrew tradition. I believe that. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 that the law of God is written in the heart of all of the people of the world. They all have the law, the Ten Commandments written in their heart. It had to come from somewhere. So we see that uh, being fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Now, there were 3,000 people saved on the day of Pentecost. This was a huge explosion. Nobody expected this, and this was at the preaching of Peter. He'd never had anything like this happen. Uh, just 50 days before, uh, 53 or 4 days before, he is denying that he even knows Jesus. And now here he is preaching, risking his life, being bold as a lion, and 3,000 people come to faith. God kept the feast of Pentecost. Then you got the long summer. And during this long summer, everybody is working in the fields. They're harvesting. You don't leave your family. You don't leave your city, your village, your farm. You have to work. But then comes the Feast of Trumpets. Now, they still weren't commanded to come on the Feast of Trumpets to Jerusalem. But this was an observance that would celebrate the beginning of the new year. And there would be the blowing of trumpets. And, uh, and because the new year couldn't be observed until the new moon was seen, and if it was cloudy, uh, there had to be two worthy men, righteous men, who witnessed the new moon. They allowed two days for the ceremony, and so the nickname of the Feast of Trumpets was the day that no man knoweth. So when Jesus is referring to his return to the earth, and he said it's the day, no man knoweth the day or the hour, this is a picture of the rapture of the church. No man knows the day or the hour. We don't know, but it will be fulfilled. 
And uh, here we have in the fall of the year, after this long period of harvest, and that's what we've had, 2,000 years of church history now, and we've had this long period of harvest, it is near the time, I believe, of the uh, fulfillment of the Feast of Trumpets. It is followed by the Day of Atonement. This is the deliverance of the children of Israel when the whole nation is saved. It only happens once a year in the festivals. And it really is not a festival at all. It is a fast day. It's a very solemn day. All, no work done at all. Whole of Israel to this day shuts down. There's no movement. It was the only day that the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. He didn't get to go in the Holy of Holies anytime he wanted. It was one day a year. That was Yom Kippur, the day of, it, of atonement. It's when a scapegoat uh, was taken out to the wilderness and turned loose. And uh, this is a, a picture of Antichrist and Christ. And what you see is the whole of the nation of Israel is saved on that day. And that's what Day of Atonement is about. It's about the saving of Israel and it will be fulfilled when Christ comes back to earth to save the people. And then there is the Feast of Tabernacles, which is uh, the 15th of Tishri, runs through the 21st. There's a, an eighth day added called Shemhat Torah. Wonderful, festive time, really happy. I've been in Israel when this was going on, and it's just amazing. Israel is thanking God that he gave them his word. And uh, they're, they're, they're rejoicing in the Torah. I saw men dancing with the Torah scroll, scroll, kissing it, thanking God for trusting them with his word. All right, so... Let's talk about this Feast of Trumpets a little bit more in detail. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Actually, this is symbolic language for the Feast of Trumpets. And here's why. Because in, 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 in the Hebrew culture, uh, the idea that the door of heaven was open meant that people could make things right with God during this time of year. The idea was you were to repent of your sins, you were to go to anybody that you'd held a grudge against or that you had something against or someone that you'd wronged, you got all of that straightened out, especially in this 10-day period from the Feast of Trumpets to Yom Kippur. You got all that settled. If you were wise, you didn't wait till then. You started actually a month earlier on the 1st of Elul. The 1st of Elul was uh, sundown Saturday, August the 7th, uh, this year, 2021. And uh, it is a 40-day period. It begins a 40-day period. You've got the 10 days between uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur in the month of Tishri, but then you have the month of Elul. And so these are called the days of all. It is a time of introspection, of really thinking about your life, of getting attitudes right, of correcting things that may be wrong. And that's the whole idea. And the idea is communicated in this language. The gates are open. And so you have to understand that Israel sees this salvation as an annual thing because every year... The whole nation is saved on the Day of Atonement when the high priest goes in. And so that's why you have this annual cycle and the door of heaven is open. Then he says, I heard a voice speaking to me like a trumpet. Now that's the language of 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and on to the end of the chapter where when Jesus returns, we will hear the voice or the sound of a trumpet and a voice calling. 
Here it says, the voice said, come up here. That's probably exactly what Christ will say. He may actually say it with your name in it. I, I believe that. And then John says that uh, the Lord said, I will show you what must take place after this. After this. In other words, after coming up, he said, I'm showing you the next phase. And he takes him into all the horrors of the tribulation. Now look at this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. What is a rainbow a symbol of? It's a symbol of being saved from awful judgment. And here is this symbol. The symbol of the rainbow is someone has been saved from judgment. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. Seated on them were 24 elders. Now, remember in the Old Testament by Revelation, David divided up the priesthood into 24 different courses. 24 different courses of priests. And that's what many people think that this represents. It also could represent the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of the Lamb. But at any rate, you've got 24. And these 24 elders also have crowns. So they could very well be priests, but they're also kings. And this is a picture of the whole of the church being present before the Lord. Elders represent people. They were dressed in white. They had crowns of gold on their heads. Elsewhere throughout Scripture, the ones who are dressed in white are the saints. Now from the throne came flashings of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. Now remember the lamps, the seven candlesticks, were on the earth. In Revelation chapters 2 and 3, they were in the seven churches. Remember Jesus said, if you don't repent, I'll remove your lamp. Now we see these seven lamps in heaven. That is a picture of the church being before the presence of God. Also, before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the scripture... When water is mentioned, and it's not talking about a literal body of water, when the water is symbolic, it always refers to people. But these are not ordinary people. This is not just any group of people. This is a group of people who are so filled with peace, so serene and secure, that the water looks like gl glass and it's clear as crystal, meaning all of the sin has been removed. If this is not a picture of the church in heaven with the Lord Jesus, I don't know what is. And here is what's fascinating. As we go through the book of Revelation later, there is no mention of the church. Oh, it does talk about saints being persecuted. And there will be people who come to faith in Christ in the tribulation period, but they are not the church. They will be saved. They will go to heaven, but they are not the church. The church is from the time of Pentecost to the time that Jesus comes to catch away his saints. That is the mystery of the church. Thank you for joining me in this series. I appreciate you listening and telling people about this. And I hope you will share this and help me get the word out about the Faith Roots Podcast. I do appreciate it. You can help me by hitting that little thumbs up button if you would. And if you haven't subscribed already to my free email, it comes every day to go to myfaithroots.com. And right there on the website, you can sign up and get it all. 
See you then. See you next month. We'll have another great one next month. So I hope you'll join me for that. Thanks. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.